Again, um, we got to about the middle of verse three last week. Let's just read the text together, verses one through eight, and then we'll uh, talk about these first three verses a bit and then dive into this. So much here, I mean, uh, you know, these, these, these chapters are so weighty and meaty and just so good. And, uh, you know, no, so much to learn about, not just in, in prophecy and what's going to unfold, but it's just amazing how much we learn about heaven in Revelation, how we've even, we've even learned, you know, a, a lot about hell in Revelation. It's very sobering, very exciting, very sobering. And then how much we learn about Jesus. Indeed, it is the revelation of Jesus Christ. We learn so much more about our Lord, and hopefully we'll do that tonight. So he says here, then I saw another sign in heaven, <clears throat> great and marvelous, seven angels having the seven last plagues, plagues for in them the wrath of God is complete. And I saw something like a sea of glass mingled with fire and those who have the victory over the beast, over the image and over his mark and over the number of his name, standing on the sea of glass, having harps of God. And they sing the song of Moses, the servant of God and the song of the lamb saying, great and marvelous are your works, Lord God almighty. Just and true are your ways, O King of the saints. Who shall not fear you, O Lord, and glorify your name? For you alone are holy. For all the nations shall come and worship before you. For all your judgments have been manifested. After these things I looked, and behold, the, t- the temple of the tabernacle of the testimony in heaven was open. And out of the temple came the seven angels having the seven plagues, clothed in pure bright linen and having their chests girded with golden bands that one of the four living creatures gave to the seven angels seven golden bowls full of the wrath of God who lives forever and ever. The temple was filled with smoke from the glory of God and from his power and no one was able to enter the temple till the seven plagues of the seven angels were completed. So as we started this last week, you know, right off the bat where he says, then I saw another sign in heaven. And we, we talked about John and this just continued, continuing to look. And he's seeing another sign in heaven because he's looking upward, he's looking forward, he's looking to the Lord. And, you know, I know that that's just, you know, at a little sub point in this, obviously, you know, the main point is the vision that he's getting. But I know the Lord just pressed an encouragement on my heart just to keep looking to him. You look upward, you look to the Lord, you look to the heavenly father, you look to, you look to the heavenly book, the, the word of God, and you look to the heavenly man, the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'll tell you, God will give you strength, God will give you endurance, and indeed you'll see great and marvelous things. And I just really wanna encourage you in your day-to-day living to be looking to the Lord, be a man, a woman of prayer, a man, a woman of praise. Man, make it your aim to get in the scriptures. I know Today in my devotion, you know, I'm reading through Proverbs right now, and um, it was great and marvelous, you know, just getting in the Word, and the Lord just encouraged me and strengthened me and brought things to my reminder and showed me new things. I've taught through that book more than once. doesn't matter how many times you teach through it, read it, you get in there, and God will show you great and marvelous things, and uh, He wants that for us. And beautifully, as Paul's, as, excuse me, as John's looking forward, he sees another sign. And we touched on that of how, 
that, that phrase there, another sign, it's really the third sign, though, really, in all of this, he's seeing signs, he's seeing vision, he's seeing revelation, but a sign in heaven, it's used earlier in the book, in chapter 12, I believe it is, where John sees two signs of major events in the history of the world. Uh, in those two signs, he sees, you know, at Satan when he fell from heaven, taking a third of the angels, and then he sees the woman who's going to give birth to the child, which is the nation of Israel. Remember, 12 stars on her head, giving birth to the Savior of the world who was promised after man fell in the garden. And then he sees the sign of that serpent, that dragon going after the son of that woman, but the son ascending to heaven. You know, and it speaks of the life of Christ, how even Herod, a type of Antichrist, tried to destroy Jesus. But you know what? The Father preserved him, and the Lord absolutely did what he came to do, to die on the cross for our sins, and to resurrect, and to ascend to heaven. And then he also saw on that sign, there in the tribulation, in the time of Jacob's trouble, on the second half of the tribulation, that dragon wanting to go after that woman, wanting to destroy that woman, but God preserving her for three and a half years. And then he sees another sign and again, these are major events in the history of the world. And this other sign that he sees that we, we started on last week and will continue tonight and even next week in the unfoldings of these things is a great and marvelous sign. And again, it's these seven angels with these last bowls of wrath that complete God's wrath being poured out here in this dispensation or in this time here on earth. And I'll tell you, seven angels having seven last plagues that are filled to the top with the wrath of God. Most people would say, well, there's nothing great or marvelous about that whatsoever. And you know what, in our humanity and in our fallen state, I would absolutely agree with that. But we're a new creation in Christ Jesus and old things have passed away. And praise God through faith in Christ, we know the Lord has taken the wrath due us upon himself and we have liberty now, and we're no longer under the law, which we'll talk about tonight in this text that damns us, but under the grace of God that saves us. And we know that this is great and marvelous because God is just in his judgments. And it's great and marvelous because we touch on it throughout Revelation, and even in our end time studies these last few years here on Wednesday night, God's going to bring this rebellion to an end. And that's a glorious thing. It'd be a horrible thing if just this rebellion of man and the wicked one just continued. I know there's some people that want it to continue. I know there's a bunch of high ups that are into singularity and they think they'll be able to upload their conscience, you know, to some computer program and come back as a hologram or whatnot, you know. They, they, want, they want a fallen state to continue, but it's not gonna continue. God's been gracious with mankind for the last 6,000 years, believe it or not. A lot of people, oh, God in his wrath. No, God is gracious. God is merciful. God showed, man, every morning when that sun comes up, remember, that's, that's a reminder that the mercies of God are new every day. Every day that he, he brings the, the sun up and the rain down on the just and the unjust alike. And really when man ate of that tree, you know what? 
God, if he wasn't merciful or if he wasn't gracious, would have put an end to all of us, to all of it right at that point. And in our own lives, in our sin and rebellion, look at, in, in, in just our actions, God would put an end to it, you know, at, right at the beginning. But he's gracious and merciful and doesn't want anyone to perish. And we know again in this eternal plan and even these signs seen there in Revelation, you see the picture of the gospel, the son who came to die for our sins and the demonstration of the love of God at the cross of Calvary. Him, God Almighty, taking the wrath to us. Listen, don't lose sight of that. What a phenomenal picture of the love of God. There is a way of escape. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. But if men want to reject him, the time's coming when God's going to wrap it up. Everyone's life gets wrapped up at some point. And the time's coming when this rebellion is going to get wrapped up. And let me tell you, it's going to be great. And it's going to be marvelous from the standpoint of the awesomeness of God and the holiness of God and God bringing justice down on a rebellious world. And boy, you look around today and you see the rebellion abounding, do you not? I mean, it's just all over the place. And, and we've talked about it in, in, in great lengths and extents. And I don't need to give a bunch of examples of it tonight because I know you're aware of it. But there's just an evil in the world today. There really is just, just a, 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 you know, a, debauch, a spirit of debauchery and hedonism and, the, you know, an anti-Christ spirit that just abounds. And, you know, every day I, I just find myself more and more thinking about Jesus there in the Olivet Discourse, talking about deception and deception in the world and in the coming of the days leading up to the return of Christ you know, deception that gets into the church with false doctrines and gospels and false Jesuses and false spirits. But you look around the world and look at, I, I listen to various reports and so forth and the most of them don't even add up. They don't even make sense. Uh, you know what? Be aware that there's a lot of propaganda in the world. There's a lot of deception out there. Be aware even in our own nation when Barack Obama became president they passed laws to be able to use propaganda against American people. Now, I ain't going to go down some big rabbit hole with that and get off. But you look around and, and there are just so many things that don't even seem to, to add up and so forth. But I do know what adds up the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I know what adds up the things unfolding. They add up with the all the discourse and the signs leading up to the coming of the Lord and I do know where all this equation ends up and it ends up with the second, the literal second coming of Christ and this great and marvelous sign that leads up to that with these seven angels pouring out wrath here on earth. And again, we talked about the wrath on earth where there is always balanced books on God's end. And then we even talked back as well, we looked at in the previous weeks of the wrath of God that's gonna last for eternity on those that reject the Lord Jesus Christ. And I know it's hard in our humanity and our short-sightedness to look at that and, and see God's glory in that, but God's glorified in that because again, he sent his son to take that wrath so anyone could get free from that if they'd humble their hearts and call upon Christ. But if they don't, guess what? This is a picture of God's just judgment. And God is true. And God is just. And his judgments are absolutely righteous and upright 100% of the time. 
and all of the time. And this is great and marvelous because of those reasons. And it's great and marvelous as well because it ushers in the victory of the Lord Jesus Christ and the millennial reign of the Lord Jesus, which we'll get into down the road here in Revelation. We'll talk about actually a little bit of that even on Sunday in Romans because we're in that text where it talks about the earth being in a bondage and groaning for the revealing of the sons of God or for the second coming of Christ and us ruling and reigning with Christ for a thousand years. And that's a glorious thing. Look at this. It's a glorious thing when, when, when there's a battle and the righteous side triumphs and evil is defeated. That's always a wonderful thing. And, and we get rare glimpses of that sometimes here on this earth. But this is the ultimate victory of God Almighty prevailing over, again, sin, death, Satan, and hell. Those that have put faith in Christ walking in victory and those who choose to shun him, God honoring their decision and God's judgment coming upon them. Now, again, as we've talked about, this is always very, also very sobering. And let's remember, and if this is something that disturbs you tonight, well, man, I'm, I'm disturbed by this and you know, this kind of bothers me and so forth. Listen, don't bury your head in the sand and churn this off and go, well, I'm, I'm just gonna black those verses out. You know what you need to do? You need to get on your knees and you need to pray for unsaved souls. And you need to ask God to give you a burden for the loss. And you need to ask God to give you a love for the loss. And, and to ask God to give you a courage to go out and share Jesus with other folks. And listen, there's, a, there's so many ways to, to, present, to, to have platforms to present the gospel of Jesus Christ. And ask God to give you some platforms to do that. Uh, I was talking to a brother before service who's in a Christian MC, motorcycle club. And they go out and they minister the gospel of Jesus Christ to guys that are on bikes. And they go to these things where there's even one percenters and so forth. And they go out and they'll feed them. And you know what? They provide means, you know what? For outhouses and stuff. And it gives them a platform to share Jesus with these people by coming and just meeting a need that they have practically to point them to the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'll tell you, there's so many opportunities out there if we just step back and say, God, give me a platform to go share Jesus Christ with folks. And you know, some of you guys know this, some of you guys don't. I got started in ministry through Christian rap music. I was deeply into that culture before I came to the Lord or came back to the Lord. And when I came to the Lord, I had to bemoan throwing away like 200 CDs in a 32 speaker low rider with like 1500 watts. And I'm like, you know what, a couple Christian rap tapes and what am I gonna do? And I, I just, you know what, I, I was writing poetry and rhymes just to like fill my time because when you quit sinning, you got a whole lot of time open in the day and then got some opportunities. And I recognize this was kind of a new thing and I'm not necessarily endorsing all of that, all of all of the Christian music out there. There's there's a smidget of it that's good, and a lot of it's just noise and nonsense, in my opinion. But it it gave a platform to share Jesus with people, and literally, I'm I'm like walking with the Lord for two months, and the next thing I know, I'm doing concerts, preaching the gospel, sharing a few songs that I've written, and seeing people get saved. 
And, you know, some of the guys that used to do concerts and things with, we looked at it like this, that music, though the music itself was written to bring glory to God and the gospel was presented in it, really, we looked at it like, especially in a, in a, in a day where it just seemed like a lot of opportunities were there in that, it kind of gave us, as they would come in and listen, the platform and the open door now to share Jesus with them. And it's amazing how those kids would be glued in because here's this guy wrapping up here of all the silliness and the silly things in the world, but I want to hear what this guy has to say. And listen, step back and ask the Lord, where and how would you want me to share the gospel? Maybe for some, and I think all of us should have gospel tracks, and we have a whole huge variety of them right outside that back door. And it could be as simple as, hey, I want to give you this booklet about Jesus. You know what? Read it when you get an opportunity to, again, going out and meeting a need where people are and asking if you can pray for them or, you know what, give them a track there or even simply asking them, do you know Jesus is your Lord? I know people in that, they get fearful. Oh, well, I'm going to get that, you know, crazy atheist who's just going to fight with me. And, and it makes them shrink back. Look at, don't let the extreme individual out there that is just argumentative and, you know, what you think's going to ask that question that you can't answer. That's a tactic of Satan to get you not to share Jesus with people. Because I'm going to tell you right now, most people aren't even in that place. And the people you run into in that place, God's just going to use that to grow your walk with the Lord. Because it's, here's a real simple answer you can give to someone if they ask some question you don't know. You go, well, I'm not sure about that. Let me go study it and I'll get back to you. Simple as that. And then you go study that and you get back to them. But you'll be amazed when you just share the simplicity of the gospel, how the gospel itself does the work that God wants it to do. And don't get fearful with those things. Look, there's a whole hurting world out there that needs to hear about jesus and think about us look at we're we're on a, on a wednesday night here you know what um just a random wednesday night and this room's full of people that someone prayed for you and someone shared the gospel with you at some point didn't they and you're here tonight worshiping the lord and growing in the lord and and there's a million and one things we could be doing and we're here because someone shared the gospel and we got a relationship with Jesus. And I'm gonna tell you right now, again, in the midst of all of the deception out there and wars and rumors of wars and pestilence and all those things we see and we read about in, in the gospel that we see really happening on a, on a worldwide scale, these aren't isolated events that we're seeing. Let's remember in the midst of that, that Jesus also says the gospel is gonna be preached to the ends of the earth. So who's gonna do that? That's where we got to step up and go, that's us being talked about there. Let's step up and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ and get the gospel out to the world around us. So Lord, help us in that. And again, you read about hell, you read about that smoke of the torment. Don't bury your head in the sand and go, well, you let me find someone that just says, no, that's not what that means. Because look, this is written simple and clear. That's what it means. Instead, let it stir your heart to say, what's the way of escape? It's Jesus Christ. How do I get out from underneath that wrath that is due all of us in our sin? It's Jesus Christ. He's the way out. 
We're, we're here to praise him. We're here to build up the body of Christ and we're here to get the gospel of Jesus out to the world around us. So again, there's seven angels with these seven last plagues. We talked about the seal judgments. We talked about seven of those, the seven trumpet judgments. Now these seven bowls of wrath, these judgments. Talked about the number seven being a number of completion. And again, we don't want to get too weird and wacky with numerology. Some people take that and come up with all kinds of nuttiness. But there is certain numbers with you know, certain meanings behind them. You know, the number six is the, man of man, is the number of man and the mark of the beast is 666. And again, how ironic that in these judgments, we see three sevens <laughs> and God always triumphs over wickedness. So in fact, verse two, you know what? John sees this sea of glass mingled with fire and we saw that sea earlier before the throne of God. And how awesome those that have victory over the beast, his image, his mark, and the number of his name standing on that sea of glass, having the harps of God. And you know what? We're ramping up to this beast system. There's a a movement towards it in the world today. It's it's very easy to see a movement towards a one-world government, a one-world religion, a one-world economy. Um, In that tribulation, especially in that second half we know it's going to be you know full-on beast mode and so forth and there's going to be a great pressure to conform to that you know there's going to be a great pressure of you can't buy or sell unless you bow to the beast and you take this mark and you bow to that image and you know what boy if you don't do that you're not going to be provided for you're not going to have victory and there's victory found in Jesus Christ and I'll tell you in the day that we're living in with you know, pressures that are leading towards those pressures. We touched on it last week, how the Lord told us to come out of her, come out of this Babylonian system, unless we share in her wrath. And I'm just encouraging you tonight. Yeah, we're in the world, but we're not to be of the world. And part of being in the world, but not of the world is that we trust in God and we do things God's way. And we don't, we don't, we don't bend knee to these things that are outside of God's heart and mind for us. And look at, we're going to be put in more positions where we have to take steps of faith versus conceding or bending knee to things that are sins against God or even our conscience in Christian liberty and step and walk by faith in the Lord versus bending a knee out of fear. Don't do that. Don't do that, again, especially in areas that are clearly outside of God's boundaries in the black and white, but also in Christian liberty and your conscience, you know what, stand in the Lord Jesus Christ because hear this, God will see you through. God will always, always, always make a way for his people. You read it from the beginning of the scriptures in Genesis all the way through Revelation. God made a victory for this class of people that will it's it's prophesied but he will make a way for those folks in that tribulation to say i'm not taking that mark if you're going to kill me kill me that's all right in fact that's how they even have victory through the blood of the lamb through the word of their testimony and they don't love their lives to death and this is a picture of martyrs in the tribulation who absolutely get victory over the beast through those things 
Stand in the Lord. Be resolute in the Lord. Be determined to say, I'm not going to eat the delicacies of the wicked out there, no matter how they're presented. I want to trend towards God and I want to be abounding in them all the more. And listen, part of the way we do that is we have to be resolute in our heart ahead of time. We purpose in our heart ahead of time. I'm not going to eat of the world's delicacies. And I'm just using that from the picture we see there in Daniel. And, you know, there's, there's verses in Psalms that speak of that, you know, it, to, to not partake of the wicked's delicacies in all of their sinful ways and actions, but being in that place of, I'm going to walk with the Lord. I'm a Christian soldier. I'm an adopted son. I'm an adopted daughter. I walk with Jesus. And Lord, give us that mindset all the more. And I'll tell you, he'll empower that with his Holy Spirit. And then again, in verse three, we saw they sing the song of Moses. And we looked at that song. And that's a song that the children of Israel sung when they were liberated from Egypt. And remember, they were liberated from Egypt when those plagues came. And finally, you know what? Pharaoh goes, I'm not going to see you again. And Moses like, yeah, that's true. You won't. And they were liberated through the shed blood of the lamb. As they put the blood over the doorpost, that, you know, an angel of death passed over them because it was a picture of their sins being atoned for, them recognizing they needed atonement for their sin. And it was... God making a victory or liberating them from an antichrist through the shed blood of a lamb. And these in this place, they sing the song of Moses. And we touch on this, the servant of God, which is an awesome commentary on Moses. And they sing the song of the lamb. And in like manner, this group, they're gonna have victory over the antichrist. And it will be many a Israelite plus a mixed multitude, just like, those that came out of Egypt, but ultimately they had victory over that Antichrist through the shed blood of a lamb, and which is a picture of the shed blood of the lamb, the Lord Jesus Christ. So this is where we pick it up here tonight with the song that they sang. And it says, they sang, great and marvelous are your works, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are your ways, O King of the saints. And indeed, look at his works are great and marvelous. John's seeing the vision and he says, it's a great and marvelous vision. And then they're backing him up saying, great and marvelous are your works. Now the vision John's having again of the angels plus of this worship scene is great and marvelous. And think about it, it is a great and marvelous thing. It's a great and marvelous thing to see people coming together worshiping God. I was standing in the back there you know during worship uh back there in the sound booth right behind it and just looking and i what a great and marvelous thing especially when we sing that last song how great thou art I, i love i love those hymns and to hear voices lifting up praise to god and you know what god looks at the heart but beautifully seeing you know, some folks with their heads bowed, others with their arms up. Look, at that doesn't happen in a lot of places in the world. But it's a great and marvelous thing when the people come together, the people of God come together and they praise God Almighty. Let's not lose sight of that. That's a great and marvelous thing. I mean, some people gather together to do so many things. What a great and marvelous thing to come together and worship God. 
And then again, as they're worshiping God, they're saying, great and marvelous are your works. And indeed they are. I mean, creation is a great and marvelous thing. The work of salvation, what a great and marvelous thing. Our eternal salvation and the glory of heaven is a great and marvelous thing. God's provision for us, great and marvelous. Our God is awesome. Oh, Lord, help us to grow in the understanding of your awesomeness. Can we say amen to that tonight? Of the greatness of God, the awesomeness of God. I was reading, or I was, I was listening to our radio station last night, and Pastor Chuck Smith, it was one of his messages, and he was talking about the muscles of the body, and talking about the muscles connected to the skeleton are the muscles that we can control with our mind. But the muscles that aren't connected to our skeleton they're muscles that work on our own. And those muscles that work on their own have to basically work, and they're working because God allows them to work. And he was talking about men blaspheming God while God was allowing those muscles to work in their bodies that they have no control over. And I thought, wow, what a great and awesome and marvelous God. Just listening to that man to put a, a fear of God in me, and I thought, man, that's just a, a, a great point. Men blaspheming God, why God is making those muscles that they have no control over make their heart beat and is making their mind move and the blood flow and the veins. I mean, what a great and marvelous and awesome God. And again, even a gracious and generous God, while men blaspheming them, God's still allowing them to have opportunity to repent by letting those twitch muscles, I think they're called, continue to work that even men who think they have control over us because my mind just said, move my arms up. Do I really even have control over that really <laughs> when you think about it? I mean, what an awesome God. His works are great and marvelous and they're gonna belt it out. And I wanna belt it out here. And he says, Lord God almighty, and indeed he is, just and true are your ways. And kind of already touched on this, but his ways are just and true, all of them. And again, his judgments are just and true. And in our hum humanity and in the battle between our flesh and our spirit, let's be truthful. There are some times when those judgments we read about can make us uncomfortable and whatnot. But I want to crucify that. I want to crucify that flesh. I'm not up here to be God's PR man or go, well, you know, we're going to tone that down a bit. God, what are you thinking saying it like that? No, they're just and they're true. And I never want to make any apologies for anything in the scripture that would offend a carnal man or a God hater because he is just and he is true through and through his word is pure and his ways are right. God, give us that heart and that mind to absolutely walk in that because again, there's a great conditioning going on in this world to always trying to villainize God. Oh, God's a killjoy and oh, God's ways and oh, God, oh, you Christians with all your judgments. Look at, we're here to open up God's word. God's word is what's gonna judge men. And I'll tell you, it's far more weightier than any of our weak little judgments and our, you know what, little perks and whatnot. So they're proclaiming it just and true are your ways. And again, it's the midst of these angels coming forward with these bowls of wrath. This is gonna be an awesome scene. And guess what? In the Lord Jesus Christ, we're gonna see all this unfold. It's gonna be phenomenal. So just and true are your ways, O King of the saints. And again, tonight, is he your Lord? Can you say amen to that? Amen. Then listen, he is your King, saint, because you have been sanctified through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and trust in him 
for atoning for your sins and the liberty you have. So notice verse four, they say, who shall not fear you, O Lord, and glorify your name? For you alone are holy, for all nations shall come and worship before you, for your judgments have been manifest. So he says, who should not fear you, O Lord, and glorify you? Now to fear the Lord, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a broad thing. Again, in, in, in my devotions today, reading through Proverbs, I read there where it says the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. If you don't hate evil, you don't fear God. Scripture declares that. To hate evil is to fear God. Hopefully we're growing in our hatred of evil. I wanna grow in that. I wanna abhor it. So to fear God is to hate evil in the evil way. To fear God as well is to walk in the way of the Lord. It's not saying, well, you know, I'd like to do that. It's walking in the way of the Lord. It's, it's, it's I want to walk with God because I know life is found there and I know the way of evil. Again, no good things come out of that. There might be some temporary pleasures, but I believe God's word is true that if you walk in this, you're going to get stung. If I walk in this and in his way, there's an abundant life. And that's seen again in our actions and activities and our thoughts and the fruit of our life. Don't tell me you fear God if you just go walk in evil and you do not hate evil. You don't. And there's a lot of areas where all of us need to grow in the fear of the Lord because there's certain things that we make provision for that God hates. Help us, Lord, in that. Can we say amen to that tonight? Look at to fear him as well is to glorify him, to have reverence for him, to recognize that he's God and we're not. And there's a big problem in the world today where people think men and God are on some equal plane or something, you know? And it's just not the case. He is the potter and we're the clay. Again, we're the dirt and he's God Almighty that formed the dirt and made the life. And then, you know what? These dirt balls want to get this idea that me and God were equal or something. We're not even in the same conversation. People, oh, you know, it's like me with ants. Dude, you and that ant are so much closer than us and God. (laughs) <laughs> I understand the illustration and the effort in it, and I can appreciate that. But there is no, you know, it's not even comparable. So they cry out, you know, who shall not fear you? And right now there's a lot of people who don't fear God. And I think, I think the bulk of the world doesn't fear God. A lot of Christianism doesn't fear God. I I don't want to just be a Christian. I want to fear God. Help me, Lord, to grow in the fear of God. I need to grow in it. We all need to grow in it. I said it many a time for my girls. I don't pray, God, bring them a Christian man. I'm praying, God, bring them someone who fears you. Bring them someone who fears you. And I tell them, if you want that, you need to fear them. Don't think just because your pastor sees daughter, that don't matter. No partiality with God. You need to fear God. And you'll be blessed with a man who fears God. Some Christian dude that just kind of like, well, I don't really fear God, but oh, you know, dude, we don't need that anymore. We, it's time to put that to rest, amen? We need people who fear God. Life's found there. And he says, who shall not fear you? Again, many don't fear him, but I'm gonna tell you the day's coming when all will fear God. We read in Philippians, the day is coming when every knee shall bow of those in heaven and earth and on, uh, under the earth and every tongue shall confess or should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. That day is coming soon. And I tell you, in the meantime, if you don't fear him, you need to fear him. And you need to fall on him so that he can break you 
to build you up. Otherwise, he's gonna fall on you and grind you into powder. These are the words of Jesus. Matthew 21, 44. Whoever falls on this stone will be broken, but whomever it falls, it will grind him to powder. And I'm gonna tell you, there's gonna be a great fear of God that comes upon these individuals that shun them and mock them and again, blasting them while God's making all those muscles they can't control work in their bodies. What an awesome and great God. They say, only you are holy. And indeed, holy is to be set apart. Holy is above sin. And indeed, only the Lord God is holy. Muhammad ain't holy. Buddha ain't holy. You know what? Pick your false prophet. Pick your false God. Ain't none of them are holy. In fact, they're all dirty. But he is holy and without sin. And notice, for all nations shall come and worship before you. We're in a world right now where the nations you know, hearing about the nations, it's described as the seas in Revelation. And even the Antichrist will come up out of the sea. The beast will come out of the sea. And again, it's the world being, you know, getting so far away from the Lord and really so much of the world saying, we want a world without God. We, wanna, we, want, we don't want Jesus. We want our own, our own leader. And this beast is gonna come up out of that sea. But the day's coming when all of that sea and all the nations will absolutely come and worship before God. We know that after this dispensation, the millennial reign of Christ sets in. And we'll, like I said, we'll get into that down the road, the Lord willing. And in that time, again, the earth will be repopulated with the Jews that come out of the tribulation as well with a mixed multitude of Gentiles. There will be nations. And there's a lot spoken about the millennial reign of Christ in the New and the Old Testament. And it talks about how yearly these nations will need to come up and bring sacrifice, not for their sin, because listen, even in the Old Testament, sacrifice never took away anyone's sins. It pointed them to Jesus Christ and the coming of the Lord. And in that time, they'll bring sacrifice, and that will be an acknowledgement of Jesus as Lord. And it will be a teaching about Jesus dying for the sins of the world. But if they don't bring that sacrifice up, the Bible talks about drought being upon them. Well, God just saying, I'm gonna rule and reign with a rod of iron. You're gonna have an immediate, you know what, ramification if you don't wanna bend knee. I said, well, that doesn't sound very, you know, free willish. He's gonna rule and reign with a rod of iron because he is Lord and he's deserving of worship. And it's it just it, the incredible amount of patience and long suffering God's showing with this world it's just off the charts. But the day is coming where, again, all the nations will come up and absolutely will worship before the Lord. And if they skip out, I guarantee you, the next calendar year, they're gonna get up there because they're giving acknowledgement. You know, what's going wrong here? We need to go worship the Lord. We need to go worship God. And again, for your judgments have been manifested. And this is speaking about, again, the unfolding, these judgments being manifest. But here's the thing. His judgments are being manifest tonight because the Holy Spirit convicts the world of, of, of righteousness and of the judgment of God and the fact that people need righteousness and that they're under the judgment of God. That's why so many people so resist God because they want to sin with a free conscience and they don't want to have that conviction on them because it's hard to enjoy sin when you're being convicted, right? You got to harden your heart to that. So you can go out and, you know, live your rebellious life and try to fully enjoy it without having, you know, your conscience and the Holy Spirit working through your conscience saying, you're going to get judged for this. 
And that's why there's some people, they lash back so hard at the gospel. You know, don't tell me that. You're like, bro, if you don't believe, what's the big deal? It's because their conscience is convicted. That's what the big deal is. Verse five, after these things, I looked and behold, the temple of the tabernacle of the testimony in heaven was open. And this is the picture of the law of God being open. What's, what's the testimony or the temple, the tabernacle of the testimony? It is the law of God that declares sinners guilty. Notice in Exodus thirty-one eighteen, And when he had made an end of speaking with them on Mount Sinai, this is God, God speaking to Moses, he gave Moses two tablets of what? Of the testimony, tablets of stone written with the finger of God. And we know those were the 10 commandments. That's what this testimony is. Exodus 25, 22 speaks of this, the, the ark of the testimony. And then Numbers 10, 11, it says, Now it came to pass on the 20th day of the second month in the second year that the cloud was taken up from the tabernacle of the testimony. It's the testimony of the law of God, which is going to judge all the world. We learned this earlier in Romans on our Sunday study, Romans 2, 12. And as many as have sinned without the law will also perish without the law. And many who have sinned in the law will be judged by the law. And then Romans 3, 19. Now we know whatever the law says, it says those who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped. And notice all the world may become guilty before God. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. And so this is God again bringing these final judgments and he's gonna open up the law of God and men are gonna be found guilty of it. And all of us in this room tonight are lawbreakers. We, we, we've fallen guilty of it. And again, if we're under that law, we're going to hell. Well, I'm a good guy. It don't matter, good guy. You're a sinner. You're going to hell. You're even a fool to think somehow you m- meet the requirement of God's perfection. So again, the, 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 the question should be asked, how do I get from underneath that law? Well, there's a way. There's only one way. <laughs> Do you know the way tonight? Well, if you don't, I'm gonna tell you. Galatians 3.13, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. How do you do that? Having become a curse for us. For his written curse, it is everyone who hangs on a tree that the blessings of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Again, we know the account. Christ came. He lived a sinless life. We needed a sinless sacrifice, not of a bull or a goat. That can't take away the sins of a man, but a sinless savior. The Lord went to that tree. He took the curse due us upon himself. All this wrath we're reading about, listen, it all can be avoided. Call upon Christ. He took the wrath due us, fulfilled the law, every jot and tittle of it. And in his resurrection, he defeated the wages of sin, which is death. That through faith in Christ, again, it seems like I'm saying it at every service, but it's worthy of being said. Through faith in Christ, we went from being under the law. Laws always seem to be on my left side. The damns us that through faith in Christ, praise God, we're under the grace of God that saves us. Isn't that good to know tonight? We are saved by the grace of God. Even when the devil makes accusation, the Lord says he's not under the law, he's under grace. What a glorious place to be in. Isn't our God great? 
and marvelous. See what you find when you look up to the heavenly book? (laughs) Then verse six, he says, out of the temple came seven angels having seven plagues, clothed in pure bright linen and having their chests girded with golden bands. So seven angels having these seven plagues and in chapter 16, we'll read about them. And let me just tell you, they are ugly. And it's very sobering reading about those plagues. They're plagues predominantly that come upon the beast and his kingdom and his followers and those that take the mark of the beast. And we touched on this a bit last week. You know what? It's, it's really a perfect picture of sin because sin is always so promising. You know, it, it makes it look like you're gonna get ahead, you're gonna flourish, but it'll always come back and get you. And that mark's gonna be presented as this is the way, this is the way to flourish. You know what? You can buy, you can sell. You know, I've, I've thrown out there, you know, and I'm not dogmatic about it, but it seems with all of this technology and singularity and all this stuff emerging, a man, a machine that's trying to be pushed, it, it, and you look at the verbiage, it almost seems that it's gonna be to be recreated in the image of the beast and probably some sort of guarantee of either an eternal life or a long-lived life because that's what, that's what men that hate God want. This is all they have. That's why they fear death so much. And I, why, why even in, in, in all of the nonsense of the last few years, and yes, I know there's a virus and stuff, so he doesn't believe there's a virus. I know there's a virus. I know a coronavirus uh, virus as well in, in any medical book says the common cold. So yeah, it has some respo- respiratory things and I don't make light of anyone that, you know what, had the sickness and especially people that passed away but let's also remember the flu has completely disappeared the last two years and the numbers are about the same. But people just, you know, in a total, you know, pandemonium and in fear because again, it's, it's, it's a fear of death. And sin comes along and it promises life. And this, this mark's gonna come along and promise life, but it's just gonna set Again, it talks about boils breaking out on them. And, you know, it talks about darkness coming on their kingdom. And that's before hell. And people say, oh, it's like hell on earth. You haven't even seen hell on earth. And I don't say that to make light. I know some folks go through, you know, some pretty rough things. But those last three and a half years, and again, that's going to be what these people are going to experience before they go to an eternal hell. And there'll be warnings. Remember an angel in the sky saying, look at if you take that mark, you're going to go to hell where the smoke of your torment is going to go up forever and ever and ever and ever. And they're still going to line up for it. Craziness. You think an angel flying to the sky saying, repent, fear God, you know, believe in the gospel. Everyone will be falling on their knees, but they'll still, no, I'm not going to do it. I like this dragon. I think this dragon is going to conquer over this God sending these angels. And sin again, it promises life and then it just, it just destroys. That's going to be this promise, really kind of the last ultimate promise to man. Take this mark, you can buy, sell, you can flourish. We're going to go to Armageddon and we're going to defeat God. And even on their way, boils are going to break out. Darkness will come on their kingdom. It's going to be, these are going to be plagues like plagues. It's going to make what happened there in Egypt with Pharaoh look like child's play. And so these seven angels, they're clothed in pure, bright linen. And that's just a picture of righteousness. It's a picture of God's judgments being upright and true. Again, 
clothing without spot or stain or blemish, reflective of God's perfect judgment without spot, stain, or blemish. Having their chest, notice, girded with golden bands. And I'll tell you, heaven is full of eternal riches, while the riches on earth, they're all gonna burn. They're all gonna burn. Every last one of them. This building right here is just a tent. It's all that it is. And praise God, we're blessed to have this tent. We want to be thankful for it. We want to be good stewards with it. I, I, I think that, you know, we do a decent job with that as a church, but this is going to burn one day. And what's going to be left? The souls of men. Verse seven, we're almost done here. Then one of the four living creatures gave to the seven angels, or gave the, what gave to the seven angels seven golden bowls, notice, full of the wrath of God who lives forever and ever. Now we've seen these four living creatures throughout Revelation. We saw them involved in the seal judgments, which led to the trumpet judgments. Now they're here involved with the bowl judgments. And they give these seven, notice, golden bowls, and they're full of the wrath of God. These aren't little bowls. These are giant. These are bowls that only angels can carry. These bowls are these bowls are going to be massive and to the top because you just think about the great rebellion in the world and you just think, man, God is so patient. God is so tolerant. Again, you can even look at just like you could just look even at abortion and the spilling of innocent blood. And praise God, Jesus shed his blood to forgive all that partake in that blood spilling. And I always throw that out whenever that subject matter comes up because Satan takes life, but Jesus gives life. But just think about that. I think about people even marching for that. I saw a thing, oh, the slow women's march is coming up and oh, let's get our abortion signs up. We're women, we're for abortion. They're ignorant. They don't even know that three quarters of the babies aborted, you know who they are? They're women. It ain't half and half, three quarters are women. Ignorant to what even they're, you're not promoting the cause of women whatsoever. You're trampling out there, marching down the street in your rebellion against God, while God's even let your muscles that you can't even control give you the ability to march down there. That breath is so, it's near the top. We saw there in chapter 14 that the Lord's gonna come back and, and it talks about the vine of the earth being ripe, the sin of the world being ripe. And I'll tell you, that vine of the earth is getting ripe. It is. I mean, even look at this, how much more deprived can man get? It, it, I, I'm not a date setter. Maybe it'll be 100 years, but oh my gosh, if we continue down this trend, what's this world gonna look like in 100 years? <laughs> What's it gonna look like in 10 more years? What's it gonna look like when this generation of kids right now being told, you can be any gender you wanna be? What's that gonna look like? Those poor children. Now stand up for truth and say something. Get on your knees and pray. Don't let that slide. Don't let those God haters pushing that intimidate you. Don't let them convince you that, you know what, you're narrow-minded they're stacking up the wrath of God. You cause a little one to stumble. We know the teachings of Jesus. It's better to be thrown in the sea with a millstone around your neck. We gotta stand up and speak and do it in love and truth and the power of the Holy Spirit. 
Because these bowls of wrath, man, they're getting high. They're getting near the top. And we see a pattern of God being patient and gentle. But once those sins get to the top, God's wrath pours out. Absolutely do. Romans 2.5, going back to Romans. He says, but in accordance with the hardness and your impotent heart, you're treasuring up for yourselves wrath on the day of wrath at the revelation of the righteous judgment of God who will render to each one according to his deeds. And this world gone wild, just pursuing, again, hedonism and debauchery and carnality. They don't even understand the great grace and mercy of God in giving breath to men in their lungs. And the more they reject God's mercy, you know what they're doing? The more they're filling up these bowls of wrath. God's merciful. Let's the sun come up on them. Let's all those muscles work. Provides economy for them and jobs for them and provision for them. Mercy, mercy, mercy. And hopes they'd fall on their knees and even his kindness, they'd cry out, oh God, I'm a sinner, save me, you're so good. But as they reject it and they say, we don't even want you, we don't even need you, we're better than you. Again, that mercy's converted to wrath being stacked up. And again, the wrath of God who lives forever and ever. Translation, he wins. And in Christ, guess what? We're on the winning team. And the temple was filled with smoke from the glory of God. What an amazing thing. In other words, God's God's on fire here. And the whole temple is filled with the smoke from the glory of God. And notice, and it's power. Our God is so powerful. We talked a little bit about Sunday, the power of the Spirit to raise Jesus from the dead. And God wants to understand that same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead, that power, that the Spirit of God dwells in us. That, that's why I tell you when we're walking in fear and, oh, you know, spiritual warfare, that devil, the best way to take on the devil, listen, it's head on in the Lord Jesus Christ. That don't mean we move in our own unction or we move in the name of the Lord. But I'm telling you, there's, there's in, in a believer in Christ, there's enough power there to turn every, every demon, I won't say in hell because they're loosed on the earth, but to get them run in the other direction. Because there's power in the name of Jesus Christ. God wants us to grow in that understanding and knowledge. And so this temple in heaven is going to be filled with smoke for the glory of God and his power. It's really a picture kind of the Shekinah glory that would enter the tabernacle or on the temple and is dedicated. Henry Morris, a man who went to be with the Lord a few years back, incredible man of God, um, really birthed, you know, at creation science, though it's always been there, but you know, the ability to really show through archaeological records and the medical perspective that man was made by God and evolution is utter nonsense. But I love it. He'd always point people back to Jesus in all his arguments. But he said this about the Shekinah glory associated in scripture with the intimate presence of God at times of great crisis in the dealing of men. And I thought about that, you know, at times of great crisis. And uh, there's a lot of great crises even in the world today. 
and we're going to go through crises in our life. And what an amazing thing to know that in the life of the believer in crisis, God wants to all the more pour out his Shekinah glory. Let him do it. As, his, as a result of that, no one can enter the temple until the seven plagues of the seven angels were completed. And uh, I don't know how all this works in heaven and whatnot, but I have to wonder if, you know, if it's a thing of everyone out of the temple because you're all gonna see the wrath of God poured out. I, I, I don't, we're not gonna let you miss it, so we're gonna even bring the smoke in so you see it. I, I don't know. Probably not the case. I don't think we're gonna forget stuff in heaven. But absolutely, again, we see it throughout Revelation, this buildup in heaven and expectation and worship and praise of God and his might and power and glory, again, bringing his wrath and his judgment. And you better, again, know that it's gonna be upright and true and pure and just and righteous 100%. And again, I'll tell you again, if there's any part of you that goes, oh man, God, you're, you're bad in that. Or, you know, man, you got to put that down and crucify that. Because that's, that's the flesh speaking. That's, man's, that's man in his self-righteousness rising up. But there's good people. We're not good. <laughs> We're sinners. Oh, but my neighbor, he's not, a, he's not a Christian, but oh, he's such a good guy. Maybe on a human level, but that dude's a rank, filthy sinner. If you could read his mind, you would go, I'm never going to go by him again. And he'd probably say the same thing about you. Look at what proceeds out of the heart of man. It is wickedness. But again, God's made the way of escape through Jesus Christ. And so again... In this, in this, the 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 wrath will complete here on earth, and we're we're coming. Where this is unfolding here in Revelation, so you know, Lord willing, we'll pick it up next week in chapter sixteen. Heavenly Father, we praise you tonight and give you glory and honor. Just thank you that you are the Almighty God, that you are holy, you are just. I thank you, God, that Lord, when we look to you, our Heavenly Father. We look to Jesus, the heavenly man. When we look at the heavenly book, God, we see great and marvelous things. You know, God, stretch and grow our understanding in these things, God. This speaks of a lot of things that, you know, Lord, we believe as we read them in the word, but they're foreign to us in many ways because we haven't necessarily, you know, we haven't seen it. And Lord, we read of it and we know, and Lord, I really believe the more we understand these things, the more we God, have knowledge of you and your word, God, the more we're gonna have the ability to walk in the fear of the Lord and to be a people of prayer and to walk with your heart and your mind. And this world needs that. This world needs people that are loving Jesus and, and a people that are praying for them and are willing to let their light shine and their mouths open to share the gospel. Help us in that, God. We desperately, desperately need your help. And just pray, God, for a strengthening from upon high for us this night, God. And listen, if you're here tonight and and you don't know the Lord, again, listen, right now, today's the day of salvation. We're sinners and we're under God's wrath and judgment in our sin, but Jesus Christ lived a sinless life. He rose from the grave that you can get forgiven and washed and receive the salvation only available through Christ. 
And the grace of God, he wants to lavish upon you and indeed bring times of refreshing. You need to call on him if you haven't. You need to ask him to be your Lord and Savior, to forgive you, put your trust and hope in him. And listen, he'll meet you where you're at. He absolutely will. And if that's you tonight, you need to tell somebody. God wants you to confess them before men. I'll be up here. I'd love to talk and pray with you more. There's others here too that know the Lord. We'd love to put a Bible in your hands and just help you in your new walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. But indeed, the word says, whoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And that's truth. So Lord, bless the rest of our time here, our fellowship, God. Thank you for this, Lord, gathering of your saints tonight, God. What a blessing. Lord, what a blessing to come together with like-minded people who love you, want to grow in you. Lord, let us abound in the fellowship of the body of Christ, Lord, and even all the more as we see the day of the Lord approaching. And we want to ask and pray these things tonight in Jesus' mighty name, and we said together, amen. God bless you.